Got another week on tap here with Lollygagging Sports. Little Def Leppard getting us going. As always, I am Bo Reed along with uh, Samantha Button and Matthew Irby. Now, before we get into the show this week, uh, as this as this episode drops for all of you lovely, lovely lollygaggers out there, one of the uh, uh, one of the lollygaggers from the program is going to be selling a birth celebrating a birthday. Uh, so, uh, Samantha, happy happy birthday uh, for tomorrow, because uh, as you know, we record this on Wednesday night. Oh, thank you, thank you. When you when you got into birthday, I thought you were going bird. There's been much talk of bird murder. Uh, <laughs> Cleveland Guardians fans, uh, you guys are bloodthirsty, by the way. Wow, like I, I sent out that tweet that was kind of a joke. Like, what else can we kill? We're beating up on bird teams, and we just killed a bird, and people were really interested. So, like, why do you guys really want to kill stuff? I'm on, I'm on board, though. That's cool. That's cool. Happy birthday to you. Kill stuff. <laughs> it's like an offering. Like, like killing a yeah. bird? Okay. Yeah, well, so we figured we killed a bird, and then we beat up on two bird teams. So now, you know, the ethical question becomes, well, what else are you willing to kill? So, <laughs> you know, there's a lot to discuss there. I mean, some of them are easy. Like, would you kill a marlin? Like, yeah, of course you would kill a marlin, you know? Of course. Like, the Sox teams are easy. But like, I mean, you know, it starts to get a little bit dicier when you get into the whole, like, well, the Guardians are playing the Twins this week. Yeah, like, are we willing to kill a set of Twins? Like... Ooh, maybe. Apparently, based on the response I'm getting, yes. Uh, oh, <laughs> no. <we> are. <laughs> God, that that turned dark real fast. Uh, <laughs> I know. It's it's amazing. You kill one bird, and then all of a sudden, I mean, they they do say that you know that like murderers, you know, they start with like a bird, and then they get a taste for it. So look out, look out for Will Brennan, sets of twins. Uh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, Irby, I think I'd be willing to sacrifice a live chicken. I'll do that. I think a live rooster. Yes, that's a requirement. Absolutely. <laughs> Whatever it takes to get out of the slump. Um, for, for, for all those that are new to the show that are worried about PETA being involved, we took them off years ago. They, they took off a long time ago. So we're totally okay with doing all this. We've killed a lot of animals in the first two minutes. All done, guys. <laughs> Oh, rest in peace to my Twitter feed. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Samantha, you want to kick us off with our baseball coverage this week before we get into armchair umpire there at the end? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of bird deaths, we'll, we'll just roll right into this, this <laughs> Orioles business here. Um, so the Orioles, you know, coming off of the recording of this show, have just had a very rough series against the Guardians, and my intention coming into this was actually to talk positives about the Orioles, particularly the Orioles' bullpen. You know, they, they've not had a great week, but hey, you know, we murdered a bird. I think they were kind of powerless against that. So, and, and you know, on a more serious baseball note, I, I actually think that, the, the Orioles are, are still a very good team, and I, I still want to talk about them in the same way. I think they just, this is probably more symptomatic of the Guardians kind of finally finding their footing offensively than it is about the Orioles cratering. Um, so, but I mean, I'm excited about the Orioles. We're a, we're a pro-Orioles podcast here. Sure. We're talking about who we've run off and talk about who we do support around these parts. And this is a pro-Orioles group, um, so we're happy to see them doing well. And now that they're no longer playing my team, I'm you know, happy to see them do very well. But uh, I, I wanted to talk specifically 
Well, I mean, I guess I want to talk in general about how well this team is doing, uh, especially after we had sort of insinuated, and we were not the only ones, actually, I think we were probably a little bit more favorable towards the Orioles. A lot of people were saying, hey, I think they're going to kind of take a step back. And so far, they, they still look pretty good. Um, and I'm especially interested in the, the back end of the bullpen here. You know, Batista, obviously, that goes without saying. But, you know, Yanir Cano, super interesting guy to me. Um who really struggles kind of early on. I think some of that had to do with, you know, some of these guys who are having trouble getting out of Cuba. Sometimes they don't pitch for, you know, it can be years for some of these guys. Um, and certainly then when they finally are able to get here because there is so much difficulty surrounding that, um, they're, they're a bit behind where they were or where they should be. So he seems to have caught up, uh, changed his arm slot a little bit, which has helped tremendously with what he's able to do and now there's more of a, a kind of tunneling effect uh, that has made a lot of what comes across the plate they're very deceptive and having just watched him on Tuesday I don't say this very often but he threw one of those pitches where you're like that is unhittable that's a strike and it's unhittable so very rare I, I think to see that um where you truly say, I just don't know how anybody could get a hold of that and do anything with it. So, uh, tremendous success, I think, for the Orioles. And, you know, we've talked in the past, I guess this is a, a spot where we've not been kind to the Orioles about their just horrendous ability to not develop pitching. Um, we were mostly talking about starting pitching, and that um, is still true, I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> They've got a lot of problems in that arena, and I'm not sure I think they've actually gotten any better at developing it. They've just been a little bit lucky here about who they've gotten a hold of and what they've been able to acquire that was developed by someone else. But uh, there's some pretty impressive stuff coming out of that bullpen. Well, to be fair, I'm the one that jinxed Rodriguez. That's on me, I think. But no, to your point. Well, yeah, I, I don't think, <laughs> we, we don't think that, that you changed him so bad that, like, his career is over. Um, <laughs> we talked about how, you know, we thought, I this guy probably should not have been called up. Mm, um, you know, yeah. we all saw the spring training performance. We saw the, the concerning stuff last year, and you know, everybody's sort of willingness to believe that the Orioles were probably holding people down because of service time, which I think is kind of a valid belief based on the way that that team has operated financially and the way that their owners have um, point blank refused to answer questions about it. But I understand the suspicion there, but also when you really look at what he's been able to do or not do uh, is perhaps the more appropriate way of putting it. It kind of made sense. And then, and then Bo came along and, and you know, jinxed the hell out finished of him off. Yeah, that's my bad, but no, I mean, I mean, I mean, come on, we, we just we just had Memorial Day, which is, you know, we're a big fan of the adage of uh, what you see on Memorial Day standings-wise is is something you can look to see down the road. So you, you're looking at this, and Irby, the Orioles, uh, going into Memorial Day, had the second-best record in baseball. Now I think they've fallen back down to, what, third? Uh, but still, I mean, you, you look at that AL East – yeah, we all know what the Rays are doing, and it, the the Yankees are the Yankees, and, and and the Blue Jays. We've talked about on this show about whether or not they can they they are actually legit. Uh, I guess is it why not Baltimore at this point? Two months into the season. Yeah, that's a great point right there. Why not Baltimore? Absolutely. I mean, this is the team that kind of preseason. Um, 
a, a consensus, obviously not a consensus here, but a consensus around baseball was that, yeah, these guys are fifth in the East and simply not because they're the Oakland A's or the Kansas City Royals. It's just look what's in there. And instead, then they came out swinging. They came out swinging early and had a fantastic April and have put themselves where they're at. Like, well, you said third best, I mean, third best record in the American League right now. Um, you've got a heck of a battle coming up with the uh, the teams around you in that division. I, I it, it is there's not a lot of wins to go around, you know. It, it's and that's what's going to be fun about the East race. But yeah, why why not Baltimore? Because this is a team that I, I, I love stats and how I always want to talk about stats and how we look at things. If you just said at the beginning of the month that the uh, the the Orioles would go 16 and 12 in the month of May. We'll probably sit there going, okay, yeah, winning month, take a winning month and everything. But the deeper dive on what these guys have done through this 16 and 12, that's a 16 and 12 where I, it started off great against Kansas, but it has been the Braves, the Rays, the Pirates, the Angels, the Blue Jays, the Yankees, the Rangers, and now the Guardians. They have played playoff teams. I know the Pirates will end up not being a playoff team, but at the time, they were fighting for the But they have been doing nothing but playoff teams. They have gone through a gauntlet, and they are still there. They are still standing. This is That, that is a set of teams where if they had won eight games, we're sitting there going, yeah, I mean, you took your lumps, and now what are you going to do? But they have gone through a heck of a gauntlet. Because of that division, they will continue to go through a gauntlet the whole season. And, Bo, I'm with you. Why not? Why not these guys? Yes, there's 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 some issues, and there's a but there's you know I I would love to see these guys maybe active at the deadline and add a starting pitcher if it's possible. That would be great. Like like go for it because it is that Grayson Rodriguez. Yes, it was too early. So you know he's he's not there yet. The kid's twenty three, so it's not like it's not like we've got a twenty eight year old who can't figure it out. Like okay, well moving on. He's twenty three. He's going to you know good coaching. Great, you know, if things go well at AAA, he bounces back from this. Absolutely, we've seen that time and time again, and, and there's no reason to think right now in his career that Grayson Rodriguez isn't going to bounce back. It's not going to happen this year. He's not going to be your guy. So you're going into battle with Kyle Gibson, Tyler Wells, Dean Kremer. And I, it's not terrible, but it's not exactly the lineup that you, it's not the rotation you want that can get, hold this long term. It's happening right now. It's going right now. So this is why I would love to see them add a starting pitcher um, at the deadline. Uh, Samantha mentioned about the bullpen. Already some great pieces there. Oh, you know, a run like this, you can definitely maybe add another arm. Not like you have to do a lot. Uh, we've seen plenty of teams around them having bigger issues with the bullpen than what these guys are. But rotation, yeah, I'd love to see something added. And then the, the bats all around, I, this is a fun group. Like, like it's fun. You know, I last weekend our our Bonas Rangers played the Orioles. The same thing, you know, Samantha. I'm doing the same thing just three days early with you. Cheering for these guys, love watching them. Glad that we beat them and got the series win. But watching guys like Adley Rushman, Ryan Mountcastle, Gunnar Henderson, yes, 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 yes. I could watch this more and more. This is good for baseball, and it's fun to watch these guys. Yeah. And yeah, I I know I you said it perfectly. And there's no reason to say any different. Why not the Orioles? Yeah, Smith, it kind of makes you you wish that we had the unbalanced schedule just one more year. I would love to see this division play each other more often than, than the balanced schedule is going to allow. But to the greater point of, of why not Baltimore, all five teams in this division have warts. 
the Rays have got a bullpen that's towards the bottom of the league. The Orioles need a starter, right? Like, like all five have warts, and all five are going to need to make moves at the deadline to get ahead of the other in, in, in terms of jockeying position. Like, it's, it's that wide open of a division. So why not Baltimore? Yeah, I think you nailed it right there. It's, this division is super competitive, and everybody, you know, the worst team in this division is a good baseball team. But it's also a very winnable division for at this point, I would say almost anyone. I mean, I'm I'm putting Boston and Toronto at the back of the pack for this. I, I just I'm not impressed with what I'm seeing out of Toronto and, and Boston. I'm just trying to the talent. But the other three, you know, like, yeah, the Rays got off to that crazy start. And, and mm-hmm. the overreactions were just incredible. It was a historic. No, 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 no. no, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> So I, there is no reason why the Orioles can't be in mix with the Yankees and the Rays to win this division, certainly to go to the playoffs. Uh, why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? And, you know, I think <laughs> just knowing everyone on this show, that would be the preference of Lollygagging. It would be my preference, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I mean, I, I love you Red Sox, but you guys aren't going anywhere, so given – when I'm left with the other four, yes, it would beat the Orioles. <laughs> no, that's an easy one. Yes. Uh, playoff baseball at Camden Yards. It's always some fun times. Okay. What else do you have for us tonight, Samantha? Oh, I thought that uh, it was probably about time to check in on how people are handling the clock violations. So I think I've got enough data now to at least have some idea of, you know, which teams are struggling with this a lot and which teams – are adapting well. So went in and looked at who had the most pitch timer violations and who had the most batter timer violations. So the pitch timer, number one, the Yankees with 20, number two, San Francisco with 18. And these are, by the way, as of Wednesday morning. That is uh, since we were taping on Wednesday. Uh, In third, St. Louis and Tampa with 17. In fourth, the White Sox with 16. And in fifth, the Angels and Mets and the Brewers with 15. So those are the people who are struggling with it the most collectively. On the bottom end, Seattle only has three. Detroit, five. Atlanta and the Dodgers, six. Washington, seven. Kansas City and Philadelphia, nine. Um, If we flip over and look at the batters, you've got Colorado and Houston uh, with the most at 11. Minnesota with nine. The Cubs and the Royals with eight, and the Angels and the Nationals with seven. Uh, Those with the fewest, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, San Diego, and Detroit with two, and the White Sox, Baltimore, Tampa, and Seattle with three. So interestingly, when you kind of put all this together and you just kind of look at, okay, without doing the math, and and you can go on, Fangraphs actually does have um, some pretty good stuff where they net out all of the violations, and this would include also shift violations and violations for throwing at first, um, where they kind of net it out to tell you sort of who is overall being the most positively and negatively affected by this. Um, But just at a glance, it looks a lot like, and, and this is sort of strange because you wouldn't necessarily expect this, but Seattle and Detroit seem to be the teams that are kind of handling this the best overall they're the ones who show up at the bottom on both of these lists so that's sort of interesting um i I guess that would be you know you could perhaps extrapolate from that that 
this isn't actually all that helpful to be good at this <laughs> because these are not teams that have been particularly good. I mean, the Tigers have actually shown that extraordinary well compared to what we thought, but they're still not a good baseball team, and I don't think any of us think they can keep up even the pace that they're at. The Mariners are really struggling. Um, at the other end of it, perhaps a more interesting examination, especially about the pitch timers, um, you know, looking at the Yankees saying, okay, you guys really need to get it together on this because we know you're a good team and I don't believe they're truly losing baseball games because of this, but man, you don't want to be leading the league in this consistently if they can't get this under control all the way through the regular season because you just don't want to take the risk, right, that you get into the postseason and you're in a situation where you have a pitch timer violation that is extraordinarily costly and could potentially put you out of the postseason. Hmm. You know, I I wonder, Samantha, do, do you think that, and I'm putting myself in this group, because uh, I definitely have some strong reactions to this. Uh, I've, I have since come around on it because I have noticed that baseball games only take a couple of hours now, <laughs> two and a half hours instead of five. Uh, that's that's all fine and dandy, but it, it seems like, like what we've seen take place over the first two months of the season shows that it was a bit of an overreaction. In spring training, too, right before spring training, when these when the when the pitch the pitch pitch clock violation rules and all that fun stuff came out, like it seems like we all as a group overreacted, and in reality, yeah, it's done the job, and it really hasn't cost teams. Some specific players are struggling with it, but teams as a whole, you know, it's not affecting their one loss record. Well, yeah, and interestingly, yeah, I think you're right, and it's interesting to me that, like, most of, at least in my own personal experience, and I, I don't believe we've been given a way to quantify this, which I'm sure is probably by design, but um, the things that have had the most negative impact uh, for a particular team relating to these new rules have almost always been umpire-related. Um, we've seen, you know, situations where, for example, the batter is given time after the pitcher has started their motion. Or somebody gets called out in a situation where they have clearly called time. We had that really super bizarro world situation that happened in that Guardians-Yankees series where there was a question about whether time was called and the umpires couldn't make up their minds about what to do. So they just like kind of made up a new rule and then nobody was happy. So there's been some weird stuff going on with this. And we've seen like... Players, you know, that, that in ways that feel almost punitive, like rules being used punitively, which is, again, not all umpires, not most umpires, however you want to put it, but the, the things that have come off as having the most sort of negative impact for a team have, so far at least, been more about that than about, like, gosh, this guy really can't handle the pitch timer because so many of these people who we thought would struggle with, you know, Bryce Harper seems to be fine. You know, we thought Juan Soto was struggling with it a bit, but, you know, he's kind of settling in and, and some of the pitchers who mess around a lot out there. I mean, you know, the, the whole rock baby business in Houston seems they sorted that out. It doesn't seem to have been a problem for him. You know, James Jack was getting these things all over the place, but he's so terrible that it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Um, so mostly it seems to be, I guess, a further negative effect on people who were performing badly anyway, mm -hmm. or people who have kind of worked through it already and were not that far into the season yet. So yeah, it seems to me that this is actually... It's done a really good thing for pace of play, and it's not necessarily farming anyone or turning teams into something they wouldn't be if only it wasn't in the pitch clock. <laughs> oh, those umpires. You realize you're, you're, you're giving Irby more armchair umpire material, right? You, you understand that? How so? 
with the whole talk about the umpires and the pitch clock violations. <laughs> now we're now we're gonna get some scenarios involving pitch clocks. So. Oh well, that's true. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, because we wouldn't actually have anything. Although I guess they become usable as soon as they've happened in a real game. So it is. It's a possibility. It's possible. <laughs> I can hear him now. All right, is it a timeout or not? Gee, I don't know. I was about to say, guys, my, my career is coming up with the what if scenario. So <laughs> yeah, thank you for the ammunition. Appreciate you though. <laughs> What about you? What are your thoughts here on the pitch timer going into month three? <laughs> um, not not much more. I, I I know Smith and I have talked about this before, so I'm I'm I align a lot of my views very similar. Um, it, it has been interesting to see how this has played out. Um, I think teams are adjusting better and better, um, and it's great. We are still going to have it. Um, I'm curious as the season goes on, as we approach the postseason. Uh, how how risky teams will be with that? You know, will we see less and less? But it's this is great. I mean, my gosh, we're all worried about the defensive shifts as well, and that's one that there's only been one defensive shift violation all season, Pirates, and this is great. Like like that is part of it is that we slowly start, you know, moving beyond that, and it'll take some time. But the the last thing that I would just want to add, um, just because it's finally something right. Um, Without getting too detailed, there you know you can break the stuff down and actually have a net uh, run value for the team. And the Colorado Rockies' net run value in in violations is 0.1. So they're finally close to 500. They're right there, not quite there, but they're almost there at 500. So we got something they're going to hit 500. <laughs> he did not specifically say season. Win-loss record when he said the goal was 500. So, you might be onto something there. Might be. Boom, there we go. <laughs> yeah. You might be. This is true. This is true. <laughs> All right, Samantha, what else do you have for us? <laughs> Last thing. Um, we love mascots we around do. here. We are, generally speaking, we are very pro-mascot. Um. I'm a fan of mascots. Who doesn't love a mascot, right? But sometimes too much of a good thing is just too much. So I wanted to look into some of these teams that have multiple mascots. And maybe have a, a bit of a chat about who is gilding the lily here and, and who's kind of gotten this right. Um, spoiler alert, most of them do not get it right. Um, excessiveness in mascots. So let's, let's talk about a couple of these teams here who have not just one, but in some cases, many mascots. Um, I, I should note that when we're talking about mascots that work as a group, um, like the Racing Presidents or in Washington or the Hot Dogs in Cleveland or uh, the Sausages in Milwaukee, I'm not counting those. I'm, I'm not sure. I know technically they are mascots, but they serve a different purpose. So I'm not necessarily counting those as multiple mascots. Uh, I'm talking about where you have a mascot who is your main, you know, official mascot, and then they have, like, friends um, that don't serve any other purpose other than to do the same thing. So so let's go through a few of these. So the Brewers, um, they have Bernie Brewer, okay, he's their mascot. Um, they have the sausages, I, I think that's acceptable, but they also have something called Barrel Man. Um, doesn't show up very often, but, like, why do you need, like, beer guy and, like, second beer guy? Like, I'm not sure about that. Um, Barrel Man. The Diamondbacks. Yeah, Barrel Man. Um, Diamondbacks, 
They have Vector Godcat, that's the main one. They also have Lucador, um, which I think is some kind of tribute to, like, Mexican wrestling. So, I, okay, at least it's different. This is, like, less terrible than some of them because at least it's something super different. And um, I, I think what they're doing here is kind of trying to uh, give a nod to the many Latino fans that they have in that area. So I, I feel pretty okay about that one. Um, here's one I don't feel okay about. Uh, Tampa Bay, they had Raymond, and then they got Stinger, because I guess one Ray wasn't enough. They needed two, okay? And they also have DJ Kitty, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a cat that DJs, which is based apparently off of popular internet memes of cats pretending to DJ. So why did this need to be a baseball mascot? Like, this is a fail. This needs to go. Like, this, uh-uh. No. DJ for a who? There's no one there. That's also for the the sad, poor, sad stingrays in that tank. Like, oh. it's so they can listen to techno because I'm sure that makes them happy. Um, so yeah, that's bad. The Reds, they've really done it. So there's Mr. Redlegs. There's Rosie, who I guess is his girlfriend. Um, there's also Mr. Red. Why? Why are there two Mr. Redlegs and Mr. Red? Why we need two of those? Uh, and then there's Gapper, um, which is a sort of animal trend. Um, you don't need four mascots. There's no. just no scenario where you need four mascots, especially when two of them are basically the same things. Mr. Redlegs and Mr. Red. Like, one of them was retired, and you replaced it, but then you brought the other one back, and now you have both. Uh-uh. So, no. That's a no. Um, I guess Mr. Redlegs can stay. I guess his girlfriend can stay. But, you know, I don't know that they needed a pet, and they certainly didn't need, like, a second husband, um, which introduces some weird questions. Like, there's one Mrs. Red and two Mr. Red, so is this, like, a, you know, sister wives in reverse kind of thing? Like, what's going on here? Um, and, and who is Gapper's father? We have a lot of weird questions about this. Um, Toronto has Junior the Blue Jay, or no, yeah, Junior, and then Ace. Ace is the official mascot. Junior is his younger brother. I guess that's fine. Mr. and Mrs. Matt, not my favorite mascots, but okay. Um... The let's see. Well, we're, we're not counting with Washington. Uh, St. Louis has Fred Bird, and then also the Rally Squirrel, which I guess was okay when it was like a literal actual squirrel. But now there's like a mascot squirrel, so you have a cardinal and a squirrel. <laughs> it just feels unnecessary. Um, and then finally, Boston Wally and Jeffy, who is his younger sister, who is, I mean. I'm oh, no, sorry, not Jesse. Tessie, uh, named after the Dropkick Murphy song, of course, which is quite popular uh, in the ballpark there. So, okay, I guess that's cute, kind of. I don't know, do they need a sister? Is this really any different than Toronto? I don't know. I, I feel a little indifferent towards that. But the, the biggest defenders here, probably the DJ Cat mm-hmm. and the four mascots for the Reds. These seem like the worst ones, right? Well, what do you guys think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, for starters, you're naming off all these mascots that I've never heard of. Like, like yeah, the, like doesn't that tell you cat. something? Yeah. I also had another thought. You know, you think about the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and how stupid that sounds to have two cities in the name. Do it with mascots and see if it doesn't sound just as stupid and dumb. Like, come on. Are we going to start giving teams like three different names now? The Los Angeles Angels and Devils of Anaheim? The Texas Rangers and Indians? 
Oh, I'm sorry. We can't do Indians anymore, can we? Never mind. You see my point, though. Well, <laughs> you see my point, though. I guess if you're not going well, yeah, to how do you, how do you introduce these things? Yeah, like here are the mascots, Raymond Singer and DJ Kitty. Like, really? Is somebody calling you for their birthday party and asking for that? We'd like Raymond Singer and DJ Kitty. I doubt it. <laughs> or Mrs. Red with her two husbands. Weird. <laughs> what kind of a message is that sending? I'm kidding. <laughs> Very Mormon. Um, yes. Like, they move, like, just move the team to Utah. A, it's fine. A trouble. <laughs> oh, boy. Irby, where are you at on the mascots here, buddy? <laughs> you lost me a trouble. I was... <laughs> <laughs> Cincinnati Thruples. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm weird when it comes. I look. I'm with you guys. I don't. I don't. I think it's a little too much. Uh, okay, a lot too much is where we're getting at with these mascots. Um, I kind of understand what you're trying to do here. You're, you're preaching to the younger crowd, you know. I, and this is something that has worked at the minor league level. But that's because at the minor league level, it's players that you don't recognize. You need kind of the gimmicks and all these things. Here, this is this is the major league level. You know, we're not here for the gimmicks and stuff. But it's here to win baseball games. And probably old man yelling at the clouds, but that's what I'm here for. So I, yeah, no, too much, too much. You know, it's just because ice cream is tasty and it's good doesn't mean if I eat it all day long that's good for me. Like too much of a good thing here. So no, we, we need to we scale it back. Scale it back. Yeah, I think are you kind of watering down the mascot experience? Then it's like, yeah, it's great to like, yes, it's for kids, but like, it's not really very special to meet the mascot if you're then going to eat three more mascots. Like, yes, exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's the oh, we get a show with the mascot. Yeah, but it's the wrong one. I didn't want this one. We already got a picture with this one. I need the other one. Yeah. No, you don't. You don't. You don't need a mascot per section. Mm. You know, Philly only has the fanatic because you know what? They only need one, and they got it right the first time. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's move it over to Irby. What do you got for us tonight, buddy? Well, I, you know, kind of unofficially, you know, wasn't doing this, but it, as the season has moved on, I've kind of loved. Uh, touching base with some of these young players that, you know, rookies in, in most cases, but not always a rookie situation, but these young players that um, as they're coming through and, and being that next step of baseball talent and that next step of baseball leaders. And we finally have one that's a, a, a weird situation. Um, and it's James Altman. Um, terrible name for an offensive player. Would have been great for like a volleyball player. I think that would have been an awesome name. Or a closer. Or a pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. Pitcher, closer, also good. Volleyball, great. Yeah. Hitter, not so much. Um, However, uh, James, who, you know, we we start with all the positive things. James got a cannon on him. (laughs) And, and, and definitely your, 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 your offensive, I mean, your defensive outfielder, um, very successful for that, uh, not just with the Dodgers right now, but through the minors as well, um, also throughout his college days. Um, fun little nugget here as we continue what we just did. He played college ball at Sacramento State. Um, their mascot is Herky the Hornet. So enjoy that for 
whatever you want from it. But uh, James is your defensive first kind of outfielder, but that's not what the Dodgers need. That's not what the Dodgers are looking for. And, and the Dodgers, all these wonderful things that they've gotten from you know Will Smith and Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, all these things, I mean, even J.D. Martinez, like, like the hitting, 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 it seems like it was nonstop in these conversations we had these Dodgers. The players move on, and they hit on the next thing, and they hit on the next thing, and hit on the next thing. And James Altman's the first one here of, this is that young talent that I don't know. Like, like I, I want to be optimistic. He is a rookie. He's 26 years old. Like, like, there's plenty of positives here, but there's lots of outliers that scare me a little bit. Um, and, and Altman has had a wonderful April this season. Boy, May could have gone a whole lot better. <laughs> like, like, things definitely tailored off, and he had a slash line in the month of May of 165, 261, 291, 552. Uh, not, not what they were hoping for. So we're, we're seeing teams, as Bo, you talk about this all the time, once they get a book on you, you know, once the book's on you, what can you do? And I'm, I'm cheering for the kid. I, I, I love a good defensive outfielder who's got a cannon, um, who can get outs all the time. I want the bat to work. There's plenty of to do. But, man, the, <laughs> the strikeout swing, the whiff rate, oh, Samantha, this isn't like Joey Gallo bat. This is like in-stage Josh Hamilton bad. James Altman has got to figure this out, or it will be the reason he does not stick in the majors. And, and again, positive about the kid. I want this to work. I feel like this can work. But this is that one outlier. We've talked about it with lots of players. Is if you have that one red flag, you can work through. And the, the kid can put a barrel on the ball. He's fast. He's a great outfielder. He does have, you know, we saw in April some great hitting from him. But now the book is out there, and this whiff rate, the, 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 the pitch of the, the stuff that he is chasing, if he can't fix this, I'm not saying it's a bust. I'm not saying anything now here. But I, I said Josh Hamilton. We could go through how many names. We could go through how many players that we see. When this begins to happen, boy, it can, it can snowball bad real quick. I like how baseball reference lists his positions as center fielder, right fielder, and left fielder. Did you just say outfield? <laughs> Let's all three. <clears throat> and not exactly in the right order either, but uh, Samantha, to Irby's point, you know, the, the one thing about you start chasing those balls out of the zone, that's all pitchers are going to throw at you. So... Can a young kid turn that around? I I, I personally think that 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 a kid at uh, you know just now in their rookie season has a better chance than these veterans like a Josh Hamilton at the end of his career that are set in their ways. I don't see much change coming from them, but hey, you know this is his first year. Well, I think that maybe the question is, is what was his ceiling in the first place? Um, was he ever really supposed to be a stellar? offensive player. So, and also, some of this is relative to the team that you're playing for um, because ultimately when you see a guy like this and, and it kind of evens out a bit, so take the, the good month and the bad month and, and kind of split the difference and assume it's probably going to skew more towards the bad because that's how these things 
kind of tend to go and say, okay, this really isn't acceptable to be like a starting outfielder on the Dodgers, but it's probably acceptable to be a starting outfielder on the A's. So I think some of it is about where you play and how much playing time you're going to get realistically. You know, do you stick around or do you ultimately end up being kind of a defensive replacement type for a better team that has a bigger outfield? Or do you end up kind of having to move on and catch on somewhere where perhaps one tool or the other is enough to hold down a job, at least temporarily. It's uh, it, it has a little bit of a journeyman feel to it. Like these are the kinds of players that tend to move around a lot and they catch on somewhere for about a year. And, you know, somebody's got a hole, they got to plug in right field or what have you. Um, but there just, there isn't going to be a team that, that just says, we love your defense so much. If you can't hit too bad. I mean, there are there are examples of players that skew this direction. I mean, Miles Straw is the first one that comes to mind for me. But you know, Miles Straw also goes through phases where he hits quite well. He is mm-hmm. an absolute menace on the base path. And you know, Alvin has six stolen bases, I think, which is great. Um, I think you need to have more than that if you're going to be the fast defensive guy. If you don't want to just kind of end up being the the dude who bounces around to kind of whoever needs. Someone cheap to kind of fill space temporarily in the outfield, or you're relegated to being the guy who can't get enough. And this is the other thing I worry about is if you can't get enough playing time because you're not good enough to win the job outright, that's not going to help you hit better. It's why platoons often don't work because these guys aren't getting enough at bat, and so they can't get better. But they don't have the numbers to catch 22, right? Because you're not hitting long enough to win the job, but you can't win the job if you don't get to hit more. And I worry a little bit about ultimately getting into a situation like that. Am I crazy or could this be a real-life Crash Davis? He's got the pop. Got nine home runs on the season, so he could he could go after that, that minor league home run record and get us ready for the next Nukalouche. I mean, come on. Why not? Uh- I don't know if an outfielder would have the staying power in the minor league that's like a super smart catcher who could train your pitchers. I mean, what's this guy offering you a minor league team on any even roster spot? Well, he's got a cannon of an arm. Can't we teach him to be a catcher? Irby? I don't think that's how that works. (laughs) (laughs) To steal from Ron Wagner, that's definitely not how it works. (laughs) (laughs) Um. That's yeah, great. That's I, I yeah, Samantha, you make a great point about you know what was this supposed to be. And the good thing for um, <laughs> the funny thing is you, you're saying about where he's at. Yeah, if he's a part of the Oakland A's, he's uh, you know the All Star representative even with these numbers. <laughs> um, but yeah, here at the Dodgers now, the good thing is is the guys around you. Like if you're going to figure this out, you know there's a great clubhouse to learn. It is a great clubhouse to figure things out. And maybe he doesn't stick as the Dodgers, and that's what's going to be interesting the decisions that the Dodgers have going forward for this season when they, once again, I mean, we're looking, this is a favorite to potentially win the NL and compete for a World Series again. And can you go into September and October with an outfielder like this who really is going to be your defensive replacement outfielder in the 7th, 8th, ninth inning as opposed to your starting outfielder day in and day out? So, yeah, that's the... uh, the fun thing here of what the Dodgers have, I look again. I, I, I hope this he gets this figured out. He's a electric player to watch. Bo, you mentioned the home runs. He's a triples guy as well. Like this is a kid who's got some wheels and he's got some pop, and that's always good for baseball. But 
man, that strikeout. Like, like you got to figure that stuff out. And that's what we see over and over again. It's like you can be this incredibly athletic person who can hit the ball far and you can hit the ball in gaps and you can run really quick. But if you keep swinging and missing, you don't get to do those things. All right. What else you got for us, Irby? So, yeah, continuing in the uh, uh, a little more of the negative, negative stuff. I promise, I'm in a good mood, guys. I'm, not, I'm not happy. Everything is wonderful. It's all good. But, but yeah, this is definitely the bad and getting worse. Um, the Royals out there in Kansas City. Um, boy, this is this kind of is the, uh, hey, where are you going? What, what's what's the plan here? Like, like I guess that's how I want to sit down is I feel like I have to be the consultant that shows up and looks at what's going on the Royals at the major league level, at the minor league level, with development, with star power, with veteran players. I, what, what's the point here? Where, where are we going? What, what's the end goal here? Because right now, it's Zach Greinke and Salvador Perez. Okay? And that is your players. Like, like that's where everything is happening. You know, I, 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 the conversation, when you watch the Royals, the, the leaders in the clubhouse in almost in, in multiple categories is a 33-year-old catcher <laughs> and a 39-year-old starting pitcher who, sadly enough, has only one win on the season. Yeah, one in five. Uh, but the ERA is there, but he's just not getting the wins. So Zach Greinke's doing fine. He just can't score any runs to get any wins behind it. So I, this is one I don't know. I, I don't get it. Like, like you've got a... a Interesting, youthful talent in Bobby Witt Jr., who has taken some steps back this season. Whether that's a coaching, a development, a hit the wall, a I, I don't know issues with this, you know, being a part of a losing upon losing upon losing team. I don't know what the issue there, but Bobby Witt Jr. has taken steps back and is not the player that we were seeing last year uh, during his rookie year. Hey, you've got a bullpen that has Aroldis Chapman and Amir Garrett, okay? That's a bullpen. Like, I mean, hopefully you can make some moves here and, and move both of us, but that is a bullpen of a team that is reaching a point of competing every day, pushing towards October. Not a Royals team here where I... What is... what? I, sorry, and, and I, I guess I'm going to turn it to you guys as well to get your opinion as well because I'm at a loss of what they are trying to do um, the last one is on the development thing that I said. What you're trying to do, you've got one prospect right now in that farm system. Yes, I know there's multiple players and somebody's going to surprise us, but there's one prospect right now that looks like he can play in the majors. So where are you go? What, what what's going on here? What's 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 going on here? Hmm. Well, <laughs> Samantha, maybe just maybe. I'm going to be a conspiracy theorist here. Uh, maybe, just maybe, Kansas City recognized before the season how many teams were going to need bullpen help at the deadlines so they loaded up. That's about all I got. I, can, I, I can't figure it out either. I mean, are, are, you, are you rebuilding? Are you trying to shorten games and contend? I don't understand what they're doing either. This is your division, so you're going to know more than the, either one of us about what the Royals have going on. So what do you think? Uh, I'm not sure I know more about the Royals than anyone else because, like, no one, well, there's nothing to know. Um, but, yeah, I think, <laughs> look, the biggest concern here is how bad a shape the farm system 
isn't um, if you are bottoming out this badly at the major league level, it should be because you are busy building mm-hmm. throughout your farm system. And I'm not at all impressed with what I'm seeing there. So I think that's the biggest problem here. It's all this, you know, business of like, okay, I think giving Salvi the contract was the right thing to do. That was a nice thing to do for your fans in a market where you kind of can't afford to do things like that. And you said, hey, we know you guys love this guy. That was the right call. And Granky too, sure. I don't love Zach Granky, but I think that people in Kansas City do. So that's great. Let him retire there. And you know what? He's earning his keep. He's doing a good job. Mm-hmm. The other two, I don't know. Like, I part of me is ascribing kind of to your philosophy about this, though, that, like, I don't know, maybe they just wanted deadline pieces all the problem is is you're not going to get enough back for either of those guys to like right. jumpstart your farm system mm-hmm. and also you know Araldus Chapman is borderline untradeable um, he's old he's not as good as he used to be and there are a lot of teams that won't touch him because of who he is as a person so he's going to be hard to move Amir Garrett okay but like are you going to change your fate with an Amir Garrett trade probably not although I think you're right that that's what they were thinking so I don't know I mean I, I think have a very different opinion of Dayton Moore and, and his time there, especially his time there towards the end of his tenure than a lot of Royals fans do. I tend to think upon him very favorably. I think he did the best he could with the hand he was dealt. Mm-hmm. But I do kind of acknowledge that, you know, it's a problem that, yeah, you know, you want, you got your World Series in a tiny market with no money, flag slide forever. That's great and all, but it's been a long time since then. And it's not that I would expect the Royals to be competing for a World Series, Again, it's the fact that their farm system is in shambles, and so is their major league team, and it's been long enough that you would have been through, mm-hmm. theoretically, at least one and a half rebuild cycles by now. Mm-hmm. So you should have either become competitive, or you should be topping out in the minors about to be competitive going forward, and neither of those things is true. So it just seems like they got a little lost. Like, they they got their ring, and... There was kind of nowhere to go from there, and I don't know things kind of just passed the front office by. I know they're a bit short on the analytics end of things, or maybe they've just made some bad choices. But, yeah, I mean, they do feel a bit more at sea than some of the other teams at the bottom. I'm not counting old one because that's a whole other animal, a whole other feral cat. But, um, you know, look at where they are compared to, say, the Nationals um, or the Cubs, who have both won, by the way, more recently and yeah. torn down more recently than the Royals, and they're a lot closer to coming back. So I know they're bigger market teams with more money, but we're just talking about the state of the farm system here. So that's a problem. Yeah, you know, it's, it's weird because, like, like, all these years run together. It, 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 you forget exactly how long it has been. Even though it, it, it does feel like recent history that the Royals won that World Series, um, they, 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 they should be in much better positioning than they are right now. I mean, it, it's early. It's almost like they've, they've started the tear down when they should have already done that and, and be on the other side of a rebuild by now. Right, exactly. And that's what's weird is that if you're in the middle of this rebuild, then so maybe you said it right. The, the green key and the Salvi pro- contracts, yes, do it. Awesome. That puts butts in the seats, even though you are very bottom of attendance right now, but still, that is putting butts in seats. You're getting some while you're rebuilding. But why Why is it taking this long? Like, like now, in, in Bobby Wood Jr.'s second year, are you starting to rebuild? Like, well, what else? Like, And, and that's the thing is, is it's, there's like to the point of the development, there's nothing close. So you've got to start this over because we've seen teams that 
hit that rebuild and hit that rebuild hard. And they're like, yeah, we, you know, it's, we don't have anybody at AAA. We don't really have much at AA. Uh, we've got some teenagers at A-ball, but we got to start making some trades and we got to start drafting well. Kansas City doesn't even have that right now. Yeah. Like, 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 there's just nothing when I look up and down this prospect. There's, there are names there that we could have a conversation. And, and I would sit down and have a conversation about some of these players. I'm like, yeah, that's that's got potential. And yes, possibly. But there's nothing that just sticks out of like that's a major leaguer one day. You, you know, know, like Bobby Wood Jr. And so that's the problem is it's it's just it's it's as a whole of I it, it's a weird baseball rebuilding is so much different, isn't that because you have to field a twenty six man roster. And not all twenty six have to be studs, but you've got to have a good handful. And and in a market like NC who's not gonna pay a ton, you've really got to hit on a lot of that young talent. And we see that with a handful of teams out there. But right now there's not anything there there's nothing coming soon that screams we've got six seven guys that we don't have to pay a lot of money that are going to get the job done you know samantha you brought up bad decision making as as being the culprit here i i, I think at this point if you're the royals you have to hope that's what it was because you look at a guy like bobby Wynn who had a great rookie season and has not been anywhere close to that his second year you look at some other problems that they've had developing talent since that World Series. Went. If it's bad decisions on draft day, that's fine. That That's one bad decision. If you got bad development in your minor leagues, that's a much more difficult problem to solve. Exactly. Exactly right. I think you better, as much as I hate saying it, you better hope the problem was Jaden Moore and not the people that you have hired Mm-hmm. to do your player development because, oh, my goodness, like, yeah, you can survive. Well, this GM tanked our drafts. This GM made bad decisions with what little money we had, and so we're now kind of in the proverbial hole. Like, you can recover from that. But if you can't turn the people who you get now when somebody else is making the calls into <laughs> major leaguers because your development program is flawed, and it's sure looking like that to me, mm-hmm. then... Yeah. Yeah, you you have a much much deeper problem that is a lot harder to fix. Yeah, I, I, me, me, just something tells me you know only only one viable prospect in your entire system. That's not because of bad draft days. So, no, they drafted high enough enough years that you would get enough people who theoretically ought to be at least relatively can't miss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, herbs. What else do you have for us tonight? My last thing, uh, you know, because I did a couple little negative things. So let's end on a positive. Let's end on something fun here, something that gets you guys excited. And, I, and, I, and we can even run with this. I absolutely love the new promo coming out of Alaska Airlines teaming up with Seattle's own young star, Julio Rodriguez. Uh, if you haven't heard about this one, I love it. If Julio Rodriguez hits a home run, that lands over the fence, I, which I do love. With his speed and everything, it's kind of funny how they make sure they do that. The home run has to land over the fence. The section that it lands in, 34 people will get a free flight with Alaska Airlines. Awesome. Love this guy. Here's a guy that's going to hit a handful of home runs every year. This is not. We're not talking about like 88 people that are going to win every season long. There's a good amount of people. Like we're going we're gonna to see... A thousand people a year get free flights. So great job from Alaska Airlines. 
um, not not exactly just a little, you know, it is kind of a, a northwest airlines, but they do have a good handful of uh, of uh, uh, international flights, and they even have their, you know, their Hawaii's as well and stuff like that. So not a terrible choice here of options. Like, you've got some pretty good options here, but it got me thinking, too, um, as wonderful as this is, man, I hope this trend continues. Like, there is some really good stuff out there, and, and I want to get y'all's opinion in there. There's some also interesting things of how this could have gone, uh, maybe say a year, a few years ago. Like, boy, this could have, this is this is good now. This is good for baseball now, because if this came out during the steroids era, boy, we'd be stuck in litigations for years to come with people, the airlines suing Major League Baseball because they're handing out free flights for home guys that shouldn't have been hitting home runs. But this is great, and I love the excitement that it will bring to the people in the stands. They're going to, like, if I'm sitting there thinking about, oh, man, I love this seat down the third base line, I'm like, no, 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 we're sitting in the outfield. I'm bringing my glove. My kids are bringing their glove. My wife's bringing their glove. I'm bringing an oversized glove. Like, whatever it is, we're going to make sure this ball lands in our section. You know, Samantha, all I can envision is some kid right out of right out of law school who's working part time for Alaska Airlines while he's studying for the bar. He or she, they're studying for the bar, and they come across this program like, "Oh, wait a minute! You really need to clarify that it has to go over the fence." You, you got to clarify because <laughs> you never know <laughs> with with Julio Rodriguez. But I also wonder about the timing of this. Can you imagine if this had come out last year? With, with, with Julio Rodriguez hitting the way he was. No, they wait until he goes into the first slump of his of his young career to, to launch this promo. The timing, you can't get past it. I Yeah, and to me, it's like, I'm, like, deeply skeptical of things like this. Um, I, this is sort of, like, I actually kind of hate these kinds of promos because it's preying on, like, how much Americans will do, like, literally anything to get something for free, including ultimately spend money that they were not going to spend. Um, so yeah. you get your free flight on Alaska Airlines when you were not planning to go anywhere, and now you're going to pay for a whole vacation. Um, so it's it's sort of preying on that, which I, I just, like, hate this whole... It's like ordering the free lunch at the office because somebody else is paying, and you order more food than you can eat because it's free. Like, I just... Stop doing this, America. I hate it. But, um, but I'm a little bit sort of skeptical of this for that very reason because it's like okay well what's the tie-in here like first of all like where does the rest of the money go like okay once they get on that flight like is there like a hotel somewhere on one of these routes that's kicking back to them to help defray the cost of this like okay well they're going to come spend their money here so we're gonna we're gonna get our money back sooner or later but mostly what i suspect is there are probably a lot of restrictions on where you can fly, when you can fly, what time of day that you can fly, what sort of type of seat that you can get. So I suspect that in order for it to be truly free, you would have to plan something highly specific and tailored to a lot of restrictions that would not necessarily match with anything that you were actually planning to do in real life. They're not giving you like an open-ended ticket on like a major, you know, it's not... American Airlines, no restrictions anywhere you want within the continental U.S. or anywhere we fly. Like I, I suspect that this has quite a few caveats on it that actually makes it less interesting to me than a promo that was perhaps a little bit less costly to the person doing the giveaway, but that was a bit more honest and straightforward. Like, I, 
you know me. I just the, the freebie thing is very unappealing to me. Like I, I can't imagine ever sitting in a specific section because you might get something for free. Like the you know, come on this night because you might get a taco if somebody steals a base. Like it's a freaking taco. Man. Just buy your own taco. Like you don't need a free taco. Like <laughs> it would be better if it was like, hey, if Julio Rodriguez hits a home run into this section, then everybody gets to come to a meet and greet with Julio Rodriguez. That would be cool. You know, something like that. And maybe the airline company slaps their logo all over it. You know, or maybe the meet and greets at the airport. I don't know. Something like that. Or maybe you reverse it and say, hey, if he hits a home run, then everybody who already booked a flight gets their money back. Like that guy in Houston, the, the crazy mattress guy, you know, who said that if the Astros were World Series, yeah, everybody gets their money back for the mattress they bought. That was actually a really good promo because you've already bought it, right? You bought mm-hmm. it because you needed a mattress. And worst case, you have a mattress, you paid for it just like any other time. But, hey, great news. If your team wins the World Series, you get your money back. This just has a little bit too much about, like, preying on the fact that, like, Americans will spend money in order to say they got something free. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. <laughs> you guys poo-pooing on my parade. Yeah, Give the people the free flood. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I know. I know. poo-pooing, like, American, you know, freebie consumer culture. Well, and, and you're absolutely right about, like, you know there's going to be somebody going into this going, yeah, we got a first-class ticket. No, 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 no. You're flying at 3 a.m. and your whole family's sitting in single seats. Y'all aren't sitting together. Why? Well, yeah, you're three. 13 connections to get to wherever <laughs> yeah. you need to go. Like, good, yeah. good luck making all of those. Good luck to you. Mm-hmm. And is my baggage free? No, your baggage is not free. <laughs> Uh, but I, I do. I am curious to see where this goes, and if we see similar things like this. That and and the, the meet and greet. That's a fantastic idea. That would be great to see. Like, you know, you hit a home run there, and he'll come out afterwards and handshake or sign autographs for everyone in that section. Those would be fun too. Yeah. So, I I'm curious to see how this plays out in Seattle. And and though to your point, it would be interesting if suddenly Julio goes on a power power reduction. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guarantee you there's some fine print in there somewhere that says, we reserve the right to discontinue this promotion without notice at any time. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> For exactly that reason. Or, or the same attorney sitting there going, hey, make sure it says it, you know, in, in regular season games, because if he shows up with a home run derby, we can't afford that. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. All right, well, I wanted to chat just briefly um, because the, the the Rangers are making a lot of news these days with their offense and their ridiculous run differential, and, and that's all fine and dandy. But, uh, you know, Samantha, I wanted to take a look at the lineup. It, it, you know, obviously, you know, Simeon and Seager and Adolis Garcia, uh, even Josh Young is really starting to get get the ink starting to get starting to get the you know the, the chatter about them and, and what they're what they've been doing but for me the 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 difference with this Rangers offense is the depth of the lineup because it's not just those guys it's the guys at the bottom of the order that are also producing keeping the line moving so they have all these massive five run plus innings what are they up to or be like 16 17 five run innings in the first 16. two, 16, five run innings in the first two months of the season. That's obviously goes beyond 
the usual group of characters that you hear about. So I wanted to take a look at Leone Tavares because that for me is, has, he really has been that X factor, that, 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 that one player that seems to be producing well beyond what I thought he was going to do. Uh, has he, he hasn't quite gotten it until this year, but he sure has turned a corner. And he, he's one of the, he's he's hitting above three hundred. His his OPS is eight oh three. He's got a couple of home runs. He's hitting for, he's hitting more in the power gaps. He's getting more extra base hits. I think he had a triple today. If I remember correctly. Um, so what do you think? Like, is 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 this the is this the guy that that's that's really driving the bottom of this order and adding that depth that seems to have been the big difference maker here? Yeah, I think he's a huge part of this. I think too that like. It bugs me that, like, there was a lot of, um, uh, I think it was excessive skepticism about the Rangers coming into the season. About, oh, this isn't for real. Oh, they signed two expensive guys, but they're not there yet. And it's like, okay, we were all higher on the Rangers, which I guess is to be expected than a lot of people. But even now, and this is what bugs me about it, is there's a lot going around about this. Like, well, you know, when you go spend a bunch of money on something, this is what happens. And it's like, well, yeah, of course that was helpful. Of course it was. But we've seen, I mean, heck, you want a Texas Ranger. Remember the Rangers signed Alex Rodriguez? Um, that, that didn't save them. Um, <laughs> you're like one guy, two guys. Like, that's not going to turn you into what the Rangers are looking like right now. It's a complete hitting lineup, top to bottom. I mean, there, there are some, you know, people who could be better with you, Thompson. But, um, I think that when you get to a point where, unless you're a team that's like bought your entire lineup, which is not the case at all for the Rangers, then this is sort of a combination of a willingness to spend at the right time and good development because you're starting to get these guys, somebody who can, you know, I think when we were talking about this before, we talked about it as kind of like the wraparound, right? Like how do you get back to the top of the order? How do you not get into that situation that we used to see all the time in baseball where it was like, okay, one through six is great, and then seven, eight, nine, it's like a free inning for your opponent. So, and, and particularly in the American League, this is a problem where it was, you know, prior to the Universal DH, when you saw an American League team doing this, you think, well, this is pathetic, this is literally batting, you know, like, you shouldn't be giving away outs, and obviously almost everybody has one or two guys, even if they're a competitive team, who are maybe not pulling your weight. But, you know, I think Tavares is a really good example of sort of sometimes if you can get people who are good enough around him towards the bottom of the order, if you have one guy who's hitting really, really well there, then that's the guy who can kind of carry you through and get you back to the top of the order. And it's a testament, I think, to a well-built team that has not gotten credit for being a well-built team. Yeah, they, they really aren't. Even even now, like you said, I think you said that perfectly. They're still not getting credit, which which I mean, I was I didn't think they would be this deep in the lineup. I didn't expect this, but I'm also not going to sit here and discount either what they've done for two consistent months now. I think I, I think the die has been cast here. Irby, how about you? What are you, what are your thoughts here? Well, this is a great example, and it's what you're hitting at of, of what. The importance of flipping that lineup, the importance of of having somebody down there at the, you know, and ideally eight and nine, but in this situation, just the nine, where speed, and we've seen that in many teams, many teams, so that they do that. There is some speed down there at the nine because you want that guy on, but the guys are going to get hits up ahead of them. And that's what we've seen so far this year with um, Leody. 
his numbers are yes, everything's improving. He's cut down on his strikeout rate. Um, mm-hmm. He's dropped at a solid ten percent from two years ago. Where where we saw that in twenty twenty one, where there was some flashes of what he could do, and then what we were talking about earlier, once the book was got on him, he struggled, he struggled big time, and had to get dropped down. But at the same time, when that happened, it's like okay, this isn't something to freak out about. He was twenty two at the time. Here he is, twenty four. Playing in his fourth season, and it will be his potentially his second full season. He played 99 games last year, mm-hmm. um, and I'm based to hit that and break that as well because he has proven to be the guy. And, and I know Texas was really excited about his defense and the arm and everything, and it it was two thirds of a great outfield. But the other thing too of what he has done well, and this is what we see with that bottom lineup. When you have the front side, when you look at the Simeon Seeger. Low Garcia, an example like that, and there's multiple ones out there. We could go through other teams like that. When you have that, pitchers are not going to want to mess around with the guys before that. You want to face Simeon Seager, Low Garcia with nobody on. So, in because of that, guys like Tavares batting in front of that, they're going to get strikes. They're going to get pitches they can hit. And Leone this season, what he's done different. And from what we've seen before, there's still some pop and there's still some speed. Bo, like you said, he got a triple today that he can hit those gaps. Mm-hmm. But he's putting the ball in play. Mm-hmm. His swing, his patience this year, uh, something that for every young player out there, patience, patience, patience. <laughs> his patience this year has become a huge reward for his success. And it's a reason why he's batting 309. He has a 366 on-base percentage. Okay, so you've done, and this is where, you know, make this as simple as possible. A fast runner is getting on base more than one-third of the time for the best part of the lineup. Yeah. Okay, that is an easy formula to success right there. Mm -hmm. He is getting on, and they are getting over, they're getting him in. And that is a big part of this Rangers' success. And and it's a lineup, you know, when you guys are kind of hinting that where it's not just that one through four, it goes deeper. So it gets to the point of like, okay, well, it's eight, nine, the problem's like, no, it's not. And those are the teams, and this goes beyond just the Rangers. This goes to any successful team. When you can flip that lineup and you've got multiple places in there of success and there's not really any black holes, mm-hmm. you're a dangerous team. Yep, absolutely. All right, uh, another up-and-coming team uh, that, you know, Samantha, i got to give you full credit. You called this. Uh, before the season started, as I mentioned earlier in the in in the show uh, this week, it is. But we just passed Memorial Day, and that's when we all like to take a look at and see, you know, how these standings may look in in a couple of months. Who has the staying power? And Samantha, I'm looking at those Diamondbacks. They're a game behind the Dodgers going into June. This is why you have to do your formal adoptions of a backup team before the season starts, because then you get to brag about it later, uh, because you did call it ahead of time. So, I, I made you say that, by the way, you guys. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, they look really legit. And I think that, you know, coming into this, right, mostly what I was trying to say is I think this team is going to be fun and more competitive than people think, and I think they're headed in the right direction. But they got there faster even than, than I was expecting. 
so I, it was a little bit tough to tell at first, you know, we had this team, we had the Pirates, we're like, okay, look at these, like, little upstart teams that should not be good, but ultimately, it's a water finds its own level situation, because the Pirates should never have been able to do what they did, it was a fluke, right, that was, that's not a team that's actually built to compete. Um, it was built to get a few more people into the seats with some veteran players to round out a roster of guys who will eventually be traded. Um, so, and it was fun, and I'm sad that it's over, and I hope that the Pirates aren't completely gone, but the situation for the Diamondbacks is completely different, right? This is a team that is coming on. They just came on faster, and that's why they're able to stick around this way. The fact that they're better than even I, who's probably the most positive about the Diamondbacks out of, like, anyone. Um, you know, I didn't even think that they would be able to hang around this long and be this good. I just thought they were going to be kind of fun, middle-of-the-pack kind of team who had some promise going forward. But they're here, guys. The Diamondbacks have arrived. I'm so stoked. Super excited. <laughs> Irby, how about you? Do you agree? Have they, have they fully arrived? Oh, yeah. yeah. This, this is another, you know, you guys were just... Were, just talking about the Rangers, and here's the other side. Here's another team, too, that um, for different reasons, <laughs> um, how they do it, it's, it's built slightly different, but it's the same formula. It's the same success, and this is a team that, yeah, this is not somebody you want to be, you know, they, and we've seen with the the Diamondbacks this season, and it's the reason why that, yes, they're, they're, what, they're nine games above 500, but only with a plus 17. This team's got a handful, it was a half dozen losses of nine plus runs. So they've had their games where they're getting spanked and they look like a young team, and that's going to continue through the season. They're going to have those games where I'm literally laying a, a, a goose egg here. But with this youth, this is not a, a one and done here. This is something that's being built. This is something that is, you know, is, is here to stay. Um, I. I you know, another one of, of potential additions as well. Love what you have already going on in the, the rotation of Galleon and Kelly. Um, it is a fantastic one, too. They can only get better. This is a team that, you know, the opposite of what we talked about the Royals. We've talked about Corbin Carroll. You've got uh, Alec Thomas as well, who, you know, struggled this season and is, was going to be part of it. Didn't get the job done. He struggled. Heads back down to triple A's. Only 23. Plenty of time to figure this out. Um, guys like Paven Smith, who are all finally putting it together. We started seeing that more last year. He's putting it together now. Christian Walker. I, who, could you imagine a few years ago we'd be talking about Christian Walker as like the clubhouse leader, like like the veteran clubhouse leader of a team? But um, this is, you know, and that's just a handful of names. So we, I, I, it's been a lot of time on these names, but this is a young team. It's got some veteran status. It's got some pitching. It, it's it, you know it's got bullpen like these, these are all the things that we check mark when we check mark and it's why you know credit to what you did Samantha it, it wasn't you weren't throwing out there of a Arizona of like oh yeah you know, yeah this is my team sure why not like no there's reason for this and though this record you know might be a little bit ahead of where we thought it's not overly shocking this is a legit team and this is a team that is the realization. The, 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 the real-life realization, the, the real-world version of what we thought the Padres could be and what the Padres are not. The Diamondbacks are actually doing it. Samantha, anything you want to add there? 
no, no, just, I'm super happy about this. And I, I love that, that you got that gig on the Padres in there. <laughs> All right. So uh, one final thing um, before we get into Armchair Empire. Now, as as everyone that that is is a fan of the show knows, uh, both our show and the show we love called Succession, uh, it, it ended on Sunday. Uh, now, of course, this 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 podcast is airing on Thursday. Uh, if you have not watched it. The finale of Succession. Um, spoiler alert: We may we may actually bring up some things from that finale in this segment. Um, but also, you really should have watched it by now anyway, so it's not really our fault. But that's that's either here or there. Uh, let's have some fun, real quick. Let's just take a few minutes. Here's what I want you guys to help me out here with: Let's take some Succession characters and place them in Major League Baseball. So we're going to flip it. Like instead of, instead of which baseball player do you think is this succession character, we're going to place a succession character in Major League Baseball. And it, it could be a specific person. It could be a role. However you want to go about this, okay? Uh, I'm going to kick us off. I'm going to kick us off. I've got Logan Roy pegged, guys. I've got him pegged. Um I'm going to kick it off, and then we're going to go through some of these characters, and we'll all just, you know, kind of brainstorm have a little fun. Uh, Logan Roy, to me, screams Joe West. The way he would look, you'd probably look at a player and go, you're not serious people. I can see him doing that as Joe West. What do you guys think? Um, I... Joe West is as mean as Logan Roy. Um, but I could see... The same, no one is fit to do my job. So when I retire slash die, um, I'm going to make it clear that there is no successor because, you know, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it, everyone lost. The, the show where you've been spending four years trying to figure out who's going to win this and the answer is no one. Um, so it's an issue with HBO about that. But I could see Joe West doing that. Like, if Joe West was allowed to pick his successor as, like, who's going to take your place as an umpire, I could see Joe West being like, no one. <laughs> He'll just play with less on the field right now. There is no one worthy of this. And, like, I, I just, yeah, it's the spirit is, is very similar. Yes, I, I do like that in that way. <laughs> Even though I don't think he's as much of a demon as Logan. Like, I don't know. I feel like someone out there probably truly loves Joe West. I don't think that anyone loves Logan Roy. <laughs> well, it's like Roman. Roman did. Uh, Roman. Uh, okay, that, that's Roman. man. That 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 that's probably the one I think I would struggle the most trying to get him into baseball. Um, oh, but, he's one of those extraneous mascots. Oh, he is there you go. The second Mister Red, the Mister Red Legs. He's Mister Red. He's the extra Reds mascot. That's Roman. Oh, okay. Irby, well, what, what do you think? That works. I was going to go another way. If, if, if Logan Roy is uh, Joe West, then that must mean that Roman is C.B. Buckner. And basically, <laughs> oh, I want to be like you! <laughs> <laughs> Do I want to ask if there's an Angel Hernandez in this group? Is it Hugo? Maybe Hugo? Yeah, be- Hugo would have to be your Angel Hernandez, yes. <laughs> I don't think Hugo. Is he not incompetent, though? I don't yes. think so. Hugo, yes. He, he every he just did what Carolina wanted, and then he, he 
what is he, he he's the one that does the insider trading as well and then like, oh did i was that bad yeah idiot <laughs> okay what, what what about kendall guys where, where are we going to put kendall in major league baseball Uh, eighth inning reliever that can hold the lead. Okay. Oh. Uh, okay. Okay. He's James Karen Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Except somehow Kendall's a less terrible person than James Karen Chad. Um, but his pants fit better. Um, yeah. No, he's a, yeah. He's James Karen Chad. Uh, <laughs> I mean. Sorry, or, or or is he just that bad at holding a lead that he's like an entire bad bullpen? Like he's the yeah, he might be like bullpen. a whole. There you choker, go. Like a choker bullpen. Like no, not the A's. Not just bad. It's the choker. The guy who keeps getting, who shows flashes of potential, gets the opportunity, and then blows it. He's yeah. He's got a great walk-up music and everything, but but it's just like you know, it's like yeah, let's, yeah, like totally. Let's uh, you know, blow the roof off. Here we go. Let's go ballistic. She won't actually do anything. Okay, okay, okay. Well, how about we maybe something like a little bit different here? Because we, we could do the same thing with Shiv, right? But what we could do with Kendall is the failed prospect, the bust. Yeah, that okay, so that's good too. Yeah, the guy who gets called up and has a little bit of success, right? But ultimately, like, you need one of those guys that kind of can't get out of their own head, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I don't know, I keep wanting to say, I don't know, I'm, I'm wanting to go to football for this because I know <laughs> who the guy is. Okay, just, just for fun, who's the football guy? It's Ryan Leaf. Nice, nice. I thought you were going there. <laughs> There's too many parallels. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't. That's too he much. is Ryan Leaf. Stick him in a Matt Bush, maybe? Matt Bush, yeah. Matt Bush, you could Matt use Bush. Matt Bush. Matt Bush. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Josh Hamilton, except he never got to the peak Josh. He never got to the good part of yeah, Josh Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> he never had that stretch where he where he was nailing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so but then, but then we can absolutely make, you know... Well, are we going to consider Shiv a choker since, you know, she lost out on pretty much everything, uh, which is hard to say because she's getting a lot of money, right? But, you know, she's not CEO of Royco, and she didn't go along with her brothers, and then and they sold everything. So she basically is out completely, just like her brothers. Does that make okay, her a choker? So to me, you want to be Shiv it to me because the thing that stands out to me the most about Shiv is that she's a snake, uh-huh. but she's not very good at it. Right. So, okay. So, isn't Shiv like Carlos Beltran? Like, the guy who wasn't necessarily the most responsible for the banging scheme, but somehow ended up as one of the faces of it and is the only person who actually lost his job amongst, you know, active players slash managers because of it? That's Shiv. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, it's like that you're a snake, but you're bad at it. So ultimately, not only do you get caught, you end up paying a disproportionate price to the people around you because everybody hates you. Like, and I don't think everybody actually hates Carlos Beltran, but it does have a little bit of that same feel of, like, you were a participant in something that was dishonest and underhanded, and you went into it, you know, 
eyes fully open, you knew exactly what you were doing, but you weren't good enough at it to pull it off as I guess the Astros collectively were, but then somebody had to suffer more than everybody else, right? And that was shit. She paid the higher price. <laughs> Urban, any thoughts here? Yeah. I, no, yeah, I can see Joe Kelly throwing a baseball at ship. So, yes, <laughs> I can see this working. <laughs> okay. Um, what about Frank and Carl? I feel like we should put them together because they were always nah. together. Like, they were always together. Sniveling little shits around whoever had the power. See, I think part of the problem with this one is going to be that I really, you and I have very different opinions of Frank. To me, Frank is the voice of reason. <laughs> yeah, we have different, way different. In fact, I saw the actor playing Frank in a movie last night. It triggered me. <laughs> so, yeah, see, I like Frank. To me, Frank <laughs> is the famous person in the building other than Jerry. So, yeah, like, I. I but there is a little bit of like, but I, what I can get on board with here is the sort of like, we need a pair of people who are kind of sympathetic, um, who maybe right. are not very good at identifying who to follow. So we're looking for a couple of sheep who back the wrong horse. So who would that be? Ooh. I feel like it's something with the A's. But what could it be? I would, see, that's not where I would go with No? This. Where are you going? No. I, I'm thinking more of probably somebody who handed out a really bad contract. Like one of those where we go, wow, he really clowned you guys. So the person who gave <laughs> Tom out the Hicks. contract. <laughs> Tom, Tom Hicks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe that's what reason Tom Hicks. Like we will just cast back a little further. The two of them together collectively are Tom Hicks. Um, <laughs> Or are they so? So Frank and Carl are basically owning the San Diego Padres. Oh, maybe they're aging. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I could get behind that. I could see them giving Fernando Tatis Jr. a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. And keeping Rudnick Odor employed. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, and then when that doesn't work out. Instead of trying to fix that problem, you just turn around and give somebody else too much money. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you That's do have the success. You like, like, you do pull off the Josh Hader trade. You, you do yeah. make some moves that make sense, like Juan Soto. But you have just as many that are like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah no, 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 that's a good one. I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so what about Jerry then? You, you brought her up, Samantha. Okay, so now we're looking for the adult in the room. Right. That's that's so, that's better at their job than they get credit for. Yeah, yeah. Somebody who basically puts up with a lot of garbage is way better at their job than they will ever get credit for and is always the grown-up. And they're, oh, my God, she's Aaron Judge. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, you know, he does get credit yep. for but what he does not get credit for is keeping a bunch of bozos around him in line. Like, remember, God, Garrett, just do your job? Yeah. Like, when he was mad at Garrett Cole for leaping over that railing, trying to go out and fight Alan Manoa or something stupid, or when they had to go out there and tell their fans to stop throwing garbage at another team? Like, yeah, I, yeah she's Aaron Judge. It's a thankless job. Like, she's Aaron Judge, Captain Aaron Judge, specifically. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I could get by that. Yeah. 
No, it makes sense. Yeah, Aaron's about to leave. He's like, I'm going to make y'all pay for this. But no, you end up having to pay him. So there you go. You end up having right. to pay yeah, Jerry. That's, yeah. actually, that's even more perfect. He ends up staying, but they took, I had to pay a lot of money to yeah. buy him off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Connor. Dick Monster. <laughs> he just wants to seat at the table. Doesn't, doesn't actually do anything. Just wants to seat at the table. Samantha, what do you think? Um, I'm looking. Who has left the cut? <laughs> it might be Trevor Bauer, actually. Um, <laughs> I'm looking for the person who left the country, right, to go and do like sort of a, a substandard version after, like, ultimately not being able to complete. You know, because isn't he getting like shelved in the Japanese minor leagues right now? You know, and Connor has moved to Slovenia after his failed presidential bid. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. Trevor Bauer. Um, yeah, okay. That works. That, that works. That works. Uh, Willow. Do we have do we have do we have a spot in baseball for for Willow? Okay, well, if anybody won all of this, it's Willow, right? Like she mm-hmm. got she got rid of Connor and she just lives in Logan's apartment now, I guess. Like and she sold all his stuff. So she's kind of the winner, right? In a way of succession. If anyone won this, it's Willow. So, I mean, who's a person that basically just lucked into extraordinarily good circumstances? Like, I'm looking for somebody who got traded to a team at the deadline that ultimately won the World Series and basically didn't do anything to contribute to that, but ended up with the ring anyway. It's Lance Berkman, right? Yes. Yes. Perfect. (laughs) Irby, who do you have for that? Here's it. You're a lot nicer than me. I, I, I was going to say Fernando Rodney, but that's just kind of mean. You know, no one wants to be Fernando Rodney. <laughs> but everybody wants to be Will, I hear. That's the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'm blanking on the mother's name. Oh, I don't even know. I don't know if we need to go that deep. You want to go um, that deep? Or, or do you mean Marsha? Marsha. Actually, no, let's do Marsha. Yeah, because you're right, because the mother's like, she was only, only like a handful of episodes. Let's do Marsha. Marsha's a lot more fun. Yeah. Who's Kanai? Who's Marsha? Yeah. <laughs> Who strategically places themselves perfectly somehow in the middle of all this. Like, she got her money. She got paid off. AJ Inch. Huh? Inch. Oh gosh, yes, AJ Hinch. She's AJ Hinch. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. AJ Hinch. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right, Irby. Any thoughts on that one? I well, no, I'm, I'm I, I can't get over Fernando Rodney because I guess Fernando Rodney again, but Hinch, Hinch works better. Hinch works better because it's. A- <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so I say the best for last. Before we get into Armchair Empire here, the best for last, Tom and Greg. What are we thinking here with this dynamic duo? <laughs> oh boy, okay, so this is tough. Okay, so are they Trout and Otani? Because, Ooh. like, they're the best and we love them and everything they do is wonderful, but ultimately... It is all futile. 
because it's never going to matter because they're on the angels. So. You remember the angels, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I okay, right? Because um, <laughs> Tom got first. He got stuck with cruises. Then he got stuck with 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 ATN, and then had all of his decision making ripped apart from Roman. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. And now he's stuck with Shiv. And now he's stuck with Shiv. <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, that's even more because, you know, Atani's not stuck in, in, in Los yeah. Angeles. He, he's getting Yeah, Craig is Otani, right? Pull, he yeah. can get out. He can get yeah. out. He's, yeah. he's pulling. Yeah, Tom is Trout and Craig is Otani because, well, he might be stuck and miserable now and ultimately lost. He can't escape. Right. Tom is stuck. <laughs> Tom is Mike Trout. <laughs> Any. What do you think, Irby? Any 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 uh, objections here? No, no, no. I was trying to make it work out in San Diego as well, but I think I like the the, the Strat Otani um, a whole lot more just because of the yeah. You're able to the Otani. You're able to get out. You will be able to get out. Everybody in San Diego stuck. No one's getting. Out. <laughs> I also want to submit Ewan as the Reds on them. Uh huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well that was fun <laughs> putting putting succession characters in baseball. Everywhere, everywhere. This would ruin baseball. <laughs> it really would. Oh no! <laughs> luckily, luckily this is just a bit segment and not talking real life. So um, there we go. All right, uh, Irby, do you have Armchair Empire ready to go? I do. I do. Right. Always ready to go. Is it a pitch clock violation? I'm curious. It is not a pitchcock violation, but it is one that sometimes can baffle fans and players alike. Oh, great. Wonderful. All right. Samantha, are you ready for another obscure rule that none of us have heard of? I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, well, but, bro, it's not. That's the beautiful thing is this is a rule that you know. You do know. Do you know? You should know. But let's make it really hard. Um, this actually one is going to be pretty simple. Um, so you guys as umpires are almost on the clock. You're going to have to make this decision quick um, just because it should be simple, right? See, now, Bo, you got me going. Now I'm, I'm in your head. Um, thanks for that. Uh, so let's say it's the top of the eighth inning out in Los Angeles. Um, the Braves are leading the Dodgers 6-1. to one. Uh, Bobby Avila opens up with a, with a spanking single to left. I love the phrasing in this book. Sometimes a spanking single. Um, I'm assuming that's opposite field. Spanks a single to left field. Um, the next batter then lifts the pop-up to Charlie Neal at second base. He tosses his bat down in disgust. We see plenty of that. And starts jogging slowly towards first. Neal gets under the pop-up, noticing that the batter is lazily taking a pace down first base. And he lets the ball hit the ground and immediately traps it. Throws over to his first baseman. Freddie Freeman over there grabs it. He immediately tags the runner who is standing on first base, then touches the bag and starts celebrating the double play. Everybody's high-fiving. Good job, double play. You're out of the inning. It's a double play, right? That's the right call, right? I don't think so, There's no. no That's way an in infield. Hell. It's an infield fly. The batter is out. The runner goes back. <laughs> yeah. But, but 
see, Irby didn't say that the infield fly rule was in effect, which is but he doesn't do that. We're the umpire. <laughs> oh, I know that. So, yeah, but sure. but th- th- that's the cause to double play. Now we would we would say infield fly, batters out, runner at first, but. I de- oh, okay, yeah. I guess, Irby, you do have to tell us if this qualifies for the infield fly ball. You have to tell us that. Okay, so it does not. Infield fly is only when there are two runners on, two or more runners on. If there's just one runner on, there is no infield fly. There's just a runner at first, and there's only a force at one or two bases, first and then the situation second. This is not an infield fly. Okay. Um, so it's it's not an infield fly. So the guy basically drops the ball on purpose, which is the entire point of the infield fly yeah. rule. So he drops it on purpose, throws over to first. So is that the first thing that happens? He throws over to first and then... He throws over to first. The first baseman here, Freddie Freeman, catches it, touching the runner standing on first, and then touches the bag. Touches okay, so he touches the runner first, and then the bag. Is the runner on the bag? The runner is on the bag because of the pop up like that. He wasn't going anywhere, so force it. But you don't have to go right. He, the, the 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 batter is out because he touched the bag, but the runner right. at first is safe because he never left the bag. Yeah, because he's standing on first. He doesn't have to go. And, I'm gonna be really or happy. wait or or wait a minute though. Like, do you have to go? Like, but yeah, I guess you do because okay, if you tag the runner. If, if oh, he stepped on the bag first and then tagged the runner, the runner could stay there. But because he tagged the runner first, you see what I'm saying? Because yeah, if you got, right. then the runner could elect to stay there if he had tagged the bag first. But he tagged the runner first. Well, because because the ball wasn't caught in the air, there is no tag up. Right. Right. So he actually would have to advance to second. Only unless, well, unless you somehow got, we're saying the same thing, but just to clarify for everybody at home, like, no, he doesn't have to go to second if the other player, the guy going to first base, was called out before he was. So whether that guy pops out or whether he gets tagged on his way to first or what have you. But the reason that he had to leave the bag is because he was tagged before guy going first was out. So there's a force play at second. So if he's tagged, he's out, right? right? Yeah. Yep. So it actually is a double play. I think so. Wow. <laughs> Unless there's something that we don't know about the fact that he was still on the bag when the other guy was forced out at the bag. But to me, that should be a double play because he was tagged before the runner coming to first was forced out. Correct. Yep. I think that's the final answer. You good with that? Yes. Okay, so am I. All right, Irby, that's the final answer. Double play. 
Well, pat yourselves on the back, guys. Good job. Jeez. I got this one. <laughs> yes, you are absolutely right. It matters when the outs are recorded. So, yes, the throw over to first. So, if Freeman is actually touching the base when he catches the ball, at that moment, the runner, the batter, the batter is out. And now that runner who is standing on the base is no longer forced to second base. But since he makes the catch off of the base, at this point in this entire scenario, that runner at first still is in the fourth out situation, and he has to go to second. But he doesn't. He stands on the bag, which we would think, and there's what's the difficult part is, will he stand on the bag? He's safe. No, because he makes the tag first, even with the runner standing on first. He is out because at that time he has to move on. So he is out. Freeman does the right thing. Tagging the runner, standing on first, then touching first base, double play. Good job, Dodgers. Good job, you two. Hmm. Okay, good job. We reasoned that out exactly right. We got there. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> uh, I, I got to tell you, that took us a while. I, I think baseball would have some problems with us and the whole pace of play <laughs> with some of these. Man, it takes us a second. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, definitely one of those where, like, what are they doing out there? They're just standing around talking. You could just see. Yeah, I know how that would go. <laughs> but we did get it right, so they, they can't say anything about us this time. But last week, last week we might have got food off the field, but this time we got the call right, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Good, good job, Irby. That was a good one. <laughs> that, was, that was fun. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. We're out of here. Until next week, watch some baseball. You might get some funky infield fly rules that aren't called, and they should be called, but they're not called because of a weird pool. You never know. Don't forget to smash that like button. Give us a, give a, give us a review. Subscribe. Reach out to us on Twitter. Let us know how you did on Armchair Umpire. Until next week, enjoy some baseball. <laughs>